Hey everyone, my name is Jason Parker, and I want to welcome you to the Coastal Church Podcast. I'm super excited for you to hear this message. We believe that God wants to speak to us, and we hope that you're open to hear what He has to say to you today. Enjoy. Happy Mother's Day to all you moms here tonight. We celebrate you, we honor you, and we also thank you for all the sacrifices that you make both inside and outside of your homes. And today I was thinking about you, praying for you, and I just got to thinking how many moms in this room right now sacrifice so much of the very little time that they have for themselves to invest in Coastal, to push the mission forward, whether it be in our kids' ministry, in our nursery, connections team, worship team, you name it. Um, You guys in a lot of ways have been a backbone and championed what's happening here, so we thank you and we honor you today. We're big fans. So my name is Alex, and I'm one of those pa- the pastors here. If I haven't got to meet you yet, I'd love to connect with you after service. But thank you so much for spending your evening with us or wrapping up your Mother's Day celebrations with us. We are in the second week of our series called Hearing God. And last week, Jay introduced us to this idea that God exists in eternal relationship. He also explained that he wants us to enjoy relationship with him because he created all things for our enjoyment. And tonight, we're going to be camping out in the Old Testament, which I love the Old Testament. How many of you read from the Old Testament often? Okay, you're my people. You're my people. I'll start tonight with a confession. Before I went to Bible college, I didn't really appreciate the Old Testament maybe as much as I should. I understood and remembered the pillar stories, you know, like the ark, Moses, all those fun things. You know, you can just call them quickly to mind, but all the fillers in between, I probably didn't know a whole whole bunch about until I got to my first year of Bible college. And in the first semester, they made me read the whole thing, like, like the whole, whole thing. And it felt like really fast in a really short amount of time. But that season of me trudging my way through the Old Testament wrecked me in the best way possible. Because all throughout the Old Testament, there are so many stories of God's faithfulness and um, his character and also the importance of his presence. So I would say that I've upgraded from an acquaintance of the Old Testament now to a friend of the Old Testament. So I'm thrilled to be in the Old Testament with you guys tonight. Tonight we'll be camping out in 1 Samuel chapter 3, and I thought I knew this story until I was preparing for tonight. I thought I knew it pretty well, and then I realized there are some great nuggets that I've missed here time and time again when I was little, when I was in Bible college, and even up until this week. So I want to make sure that we don't miss those nuggets tonight. We're going to kind of talk our way through this chapter, Um, so if you track with me, This will be fun, and then we'll get to the rest later. So, chapter 1, we start in verse 1, and we're introduced to this young man named Samuel. He was more of a boy, and he's Eli's apprentice. And Eli was an old priest at the time. So Samuel would have been ministering in the tabernacle. He was learning the ropes. Um, But this was during a window of time where not many people, no one really at all was hearing from God. But this already was during a time where very few people would hear from God already. And the Bible says this in verse 1. It says, The word of the Lord was rare. 
there were not many people receiving visions. So in the Old Testament already, God would have been speaking to very few, mostly priests. So for no one to be hearing from God, it probably felt like God was super distant. Verse 2 kind of sets the stage for the passage. It tells us that Eli's sight was weak. He was so old, his sight was going, he could barely see. So Samuel was learning under Eli, but in a lot of ways, he probably was helping him out too as he navigated losing his sight. So one night, they were sleeping in the tabernacle. And it's important for us to know and to remember that the tabernacle would have been the only place where the, where the presence of God was at the time. The only building, more like a tent, where the presence of God was. This is pre-Jesus, remember. This is the Old, Old Testament. So people didn't have access to God every day whenever they wanted like we do today. So at night, they were sleeping, and the Lord called Samuel. He said, Samuel. Samuel got up, said, here I am. He ran to Eli, and he said, here I am. You called me? Eli said, I didn't call you. You can go back to sleep. So Samuel went back to lie down. Later on in the night, the Lord said again, Samuel, here I am. He ran to Eli, said, here I am. You called me? Eli said, I didn't call you. It's kind of getting awkward now. Go back to sleep. So then in verse 7, there's also an important note that I don't want us to miss. It says, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. So Samuel went to lie down again for the third time, and the Lord called him. Samuel, he gets up. He runs to Eli. I'm here. You called. Eli was starting at this point to discern that maybe it was the Lord calling Samuel. So he said, go lie down, and if he calls you again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And then the Bible says this, the Lord came and stood there, calling as he did the other times, Samuel, Samuel, speak, for your servant is listening, Samuel said. So in verses 11 through 14, God reveals something quite significant to Samuel, something not very fun basically says, hold your pants. I'm about to do something pretty crazy. <laughs> he didn't probably say hold your pants, but he did say, I'm going to do something crazy. I'm going to do something new in Israel. And he ex explains to Samuel that the Lord's people had kind of gotten off track in how they're supposed to worship God. So the uncomfortable part of this message is that it had serious repercussions for Eli and his household. Because Eli had sons who were also priests, but they weren't worshiping God the right way. And it says that they had blasphemed God. And what we mean when we say that they were blaspheming God is that they were treating something that was meant to be holy as unholy. Back in chapter 2, verse 17, it says, Thus the sins of the young men, Eli's sons, were very great in the sight of the Lord. For the men treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. So God reveals to Samuel that because of these actions of Eli's sons, there is no right amount, good, there's no amount of right sacrifices that they could possibly do to make up for all the times that they had blasphemed God. So we're not done working through the story yet, but a couple things for us to note. It's already super clear that God values relationship, but that he also values respect in relationship. 
So verse 15, Samuel goes back to sleep. And I don't know about you, but that's a doozy. And I probably wasn't going to sleep really fast if I was Samuel. But when he woke up, he was pretty afraid to tell Eli what had happened. But then Eli called him and he said, what was it that he said to you? Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, leaving out no part, no bit. He told him the whole thing. And then Eli said to him, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. So the story kind of ends here, but with a little note for us. And it says, the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. So from that note, we see that his obedience leads to growth, but also that the presence of the Lord was with him as he grew up. So I grew up hearing this story in something a lot like Coastal Kids, um, often, probably once or twice a year. And it always was a good story. I always enjoyed it. It always showed me how... God is consistent and he's faithful and he pursues us and that he loves us and he really cared about Samuel and he had something to share with him. But I never really caught on to the ways that this also could apply to my life. And I think tonight there's something important here for us that talks about this idea of pursuing relationship with God. But I also do think that there's things in this story that can help us navigate this idea of hearing God. What does it really mean to hear God. So the story does a really good job at highlighting the importance of discerning voices. When Samuel got up for the third time and he ran to Eli, Eli discerned that God was probably speaking to the boy, that he probably should give him a little bit of direction. He didn't laugh at Samuel. He didn't accuse him of hearing things, but he gave him discernment and direction. He told him what to do to hear God if, it was, if he was, in fact, speaking. Discerning people around us are important for a lot of reasons. Like Eli, they provide wisdom. Like Eli, they provide direction. They give us action points of how to move forward. But discerning people also help us get back on track when we've kind of moved a little bit off track, when we've gotten distracted. Sometimes the need for discernment, I think often we think the discernment, when it's needed, it's kind of like boop, 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 discernment time, discernment time, get someone in here. It's not like that. Discernment isn't loud and obnoxious. Discernment often needs to happen in the quiet moments, in moments where we don't really expect it to be needed. And there's a man called John Brevere, and he says, he explains discernment like this. Discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. Everyone can do that. Discernment is knowing the difference between right and almost right. You see, there's sometimes that we lack direction and we need discerning people in our lives to help us get back on track or to point us in the right way. But sometimes we just need people in our life that God has entrusted to point out the difference between right and almost right. Because when we don't have people that will point out the difference between right and almost right, we can kind of get caught in an echo chamber of our own thoughts and ideas in our head. And when we get caught in an echo chamber of our own preferences and thoughts and opinions in our head, it's nearly impossible to hear God. 
when we get caught in one of those echo chambers, it can sound a little bit like this in our head. Was that God or was that me? I think I could be hearing things. No, 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 no. That was God. That was God. Five seconds later. Oh, that was definitely me. Does that sound familiar? It can be really hard to tell the difference between our voice and God's voice when we're just listening, when we're used to listening to our own thoughts and preferences. First Thessalonians 5, verses 19 through 21 says this. Don't quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything and hold fast to what is good. It can be really hard to test everything when all we're hearing is ourselves. It can really be hard to decipher the difference between right and almost right when all we can hear in our own heads is ourselves. Something else that can happen or a thought pattern that can pop up when we're in one of these echo chambers in our own heads is we can think something like, it's just me and God. He's all I need. I'm all he needs. We got this. This is our thing, and we're going to do it together. That's far off from the truth. That is not true. The, real, the, the reality is, is that we're not called to do this just us and God. God has given us people around us to help us discern, to help us grow, to help us learn. Hebrews 13.7 says this, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. God has given us people to walk alongside us, but he's also given us examples that we can follow as they follow Christ. I like that whole deal when Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Um, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That kind of deal. People that we can follow, we can look to um, as they follow God. And then sometimes, the last one, we can get caught in this thought pattern. God always agrees with me. I must be special because God always just thinks the same things that I'm thinking. And he never tells me I'm wrong. So I think I got this thing figured out. I don't think that might not be the truth. I don't think that is the truth. And when we're thinking things like this, it's probably because we've just begun to subscribe to the narratives that we've created in our own head. Maybe we've just forgotten to admit that sometimes we have biases. Or maybe we think that God always agrees with us because we forget to practice humility and honesty. So discernment is important, but that's the beauty of being in community. That's why we're a part of the body of Christ. That's why we don't have to do things alone. Because when we can't discern things, when we don't know where to go, the odds are there's probably an Eli of our own not that far away. The reality is, is that there's probably an Eli of your own sitting not that far away from you tonight. But I think that we can all agree, it's probably easier to hear God when we know him. Would you agree? I agree. So this is where the importance of knowing God comes into play. In this story, the Bible tells us that Samuel didn't yet know God, and he didn't know the voice of God. He didn't know God was speaking because he didn't know what he sounded like. He didn't know him yet. This passage is very clear that Samuel knew a lot about God, but he didn't actually know God. There's a difference. At the beginning of the story, we learn that Samuel is an apprentice under Eli. He was a priest. He was becoming a priest. So it's fair to assume that Eli would have had to know his stuff. 
He would have had to know scripture. He would have had to know the practices, how to do the sacrifices, how to point, point people in the right direction. Samuel would have had to know all these things, but he didn't know God. And priests' job at the time, were, it was very weighty and full of responsibility because God often at the time only spoke to priests. And it was a priest's responsibility to enter the presence of God on behalf of everyone else. So it is fair to say that Samuel knew his stuff, but scripture is clear that he didn't know God. He was missing the relationship part. So have you ever gotten the feeling that maybe one of your friends knows a lot about you but doesn't actually really know you? Does that make sense? I experienced that a lot growing up. When I was in my teenage years, I felt a lot of the time like I knew my friends and they knew a lot about me, but I didn't think that they actually knew me. And I remember in a point of frustration, I was sitting with a mentor and I said to her, I said, you know what? I'm just so sick and tired of always feeling seen and never feeling known. Does that resonate with anyone? I was so frustrated because there's something so important about feeling known. There's something special about feeling known because we were meant to be known. Maybe you can resonate with this. Have you ever been in a big crowd? Like maybe you go to the city and you're in a big crowd, somewhere different, and then all of a sudden in the hustle and bustle, you hear the voice or the laugh of someone that you know. Have you ever experienced that? I experienced that the other, a couple weeks ago. It was crazy. But I think there's something really comforting about hearing the voice or the laugh of someone that we know in an unexpected place. Would you agree? And I have this theory that it's so comforting because all of a sudden, in the middle of chaos, in an unexpected place, a loud room, all of a sudden, things go from being chaotic to knowing that there is someone here that knows me and cares about me. That's my theory. That's why I think that that is so comforting. Does that make sense? Most people, arguably all of us, can be guilty of sometimes wanting to skip all the foundational stuff with God, all the relationship building, and just get to like the good stuff. Like the signs and wonders, like the God told me, or God was teaching this, me this the other day, and he spoke, and there was fire and fireworks, and it was wonderful. Sometimes we just want to skip the foundational stuff and get there. But the reality is, is that our relationship with God is like any other relationship. There need, you need to get to know him. We need to get to know the people around us. For me to say that I know you, there would be a long time of us chatting and going back and forth and me asking questions and me answering questions for both of us to be able to say that, oh, we know each other. I really know her. She really knows me. All relationships need a solid foundation, and our relationship with God is no different. This is where conversation, prayer, scripture reading, and time with God come into play. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17 says this. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So God has given us his word so that we can get to know him, so we can begin to understand his character and what he's like. He's also given us his word 
so that we can have what we need to live a godly life, so we can refer to it, so we can understand um, a little bit more about what's going on around us and what God really is like. God wants to be in relationship with us. He wants to speak to you. He wants to move in your life. He wants to transform you. But the thing is is that we actually need to get to know him first before that can happen. So do you know God? Do you know God? Not just a lot about him, but do you actually know God? We've walked through the importance of having discerning people around us and how much value that adds to our life. We've begun to scratch the surface of what it means to actually really know God. But there's something else in this story that stood out to me that I thought was so interesting and so powerful. So we're going to chat a little bit about the significance of God's presence. I think sometimes we tend to discredit the importance of having a personal relationship with God because we, can write, we tend to write him off as being far away and distant. I know there are times in my life where I've been like, is it really worth it? Like, he seems pretty far away. He seems to not be really focused on what's happening right now. I don't know if he really understands what's going on. I'm guilty of that. I'm sure there's probably people in here that can resonate with that. But in the tabernacle where Eli and Samuel worked and where they were sleeping was the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of God in a room called the Holy of Holies. And at the time, this was the only place where the presence of God was. But this presence, the presence of God and the Ark of the Covenant, isn't the only form of God's presence that we see in this story. In verse 10, it says this. Samuel had gotten up and he went to Eli three times. And the Bible tells us this, chapter, or verse 10. The Lord came and he stood there, calling out as he did the other times, Samuel, Samuel. The Lord came and stood there. This verse tells us, it indicates that God was physically present. Not once, not three times, but four whole times until Samuel realized that God was actually there speaking. It wasn't only God's presence that filled the Holy of Holies that was there, but God was physically present with a T, present. He was there to speak, engage, and move. I think for today, it's hard for us to understand what that would be like because we're used to being in places or with people where people are there, but they're not really there. Moms, have you ever been in the living room hanging out with your family chatting up a storm, and then all of a sudden, 15 minutes into the conversation, you realize no one's actually there. Like, they're physically there, but no one's at home. Like, no one's one's there. They might be watching the TV now, or they're looking around, or they're just smiling and nodding. Does that sound familiar? For people who aren't moms, maybe you've gone out for supper with a friend wanting to catch up, and they fill you in on all their life stuff, and you're super excited for them. And all of a sudden, you're 10 minutes into relaying these super important and exciting details about your life. And then you notice their phone lights up and they look at it, but not like for a second to see if someone's dying. It's like, uh, how long has she been talking? Or they start to like look around the room. They're not really present. You're sitting in their presence, but they're not really present. It's important for us to know that God isn't like that. God doesn't do things halfway. 
When he says he wants to be in relationship with you, he actually means it. He's not going to leave you stranded. He'll always be faithful, and he'll always be fully present with you. Fully present. God wasn't present with Samuel, or God was present with Samuel during a time where God's presence wasn't accessible. It wasn't free for everyone to enjoy. He had access to God in that moment when access wasn't just available to anyone. Today, we get to have access to God whenever we want. And his desire for us is actually to be in relationship with him. The truth is, though, we're never fully going to experience the fullness of God's presence unless we are also present with him. We have to engage, too. God had a plan for Samuel long before Samuel knew God. And we can go our whole life without inviting discerning people to come in and speak life into our situations. And we can go our whole life knowing a lot about God, but not actually really knowing him. And we definitely could go our whole life without acknowledging the presence of God. But the truth is, is that there's a fuller, more relational and joy-filled life available to us. All we have to do is invite God in. And the truth is, is that God's waiting. He's ready. He wants to be in relationship with you, but he's not going to force himself in because no good relationship has ever been forced. So my question for you tonight is, what if you, like Samuel, began to understand what it looked like to hear God? Today, we get to know God very differently than they did in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, they knew God as big, powerful, sovereign, just, faithful. And today, we still get to know him as all those things too, but we also get to know him as the personal and relational God that he is. We don't have to just know a lot about him. We get to actually know him. The truth about all of us is that we become a lot like the people that we listen to. We become a lot like the people that we spend our time with. And because of that, it's also true that people can tell when you spend a lot of time with God. People can tell when you're listening to God. Things are different. Something changes. So my question for us as we leave this space is what would it look like for you this week to deeper understand what it looks like to hear the voice of God? What would it look like for you to invite someone with the gift of discernment into your situation and ask for them to pray with you for clarity and for wisdom? What would it look like for you to offer um, a hand to someone who's trying to navigate a situation that just feels too daunting? Providing a discerning word, a word of wisdom, a word of support. Or maybe for you, your step, where you're at in your journey is you need to invite God in. This idea of God being ready and wanting to have a relationship with you but not wanting to force himself in might be a new concept. Maybe you're not familiar with this idea of a relational God, and that's okay. But the good news tonight is that we do serve a relational God who cares about you, who wants to be in relationship with you. It's not an obligation is something that he desires. So we're going to pray and we're going to worship, but let's take a moment um, quietly with ourselves to just think about what is my next step? What does inviting discernment into my life look like? What does inviting God to speak into my life look like? What does it look like to actually tune into his voice? 
Or maybe, what does it look like to invite God in? Would you stand with me? And we're going to pray. God, tonight, we're so thankful for all the truth, God. So much truth that's found in this story. God, that you love us, that you pursue us, that you want to be in relationship with us, that you're patient with us and you're gracious and you're faithful. So God, we just pray that tonight you would meet us where we are. God, that you would open our ears to hear what would be next for us in our own journey. God, tune our ears to hear your voice better. God, we love you and we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's living and active. God, relationship with you is such a gift and we're thankful that you've made a way for that to be possible for us. Holy Spirit, come, move in this place. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We really hope that this message has motivated you to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus and has inspired you to join us in our mission to take Jesus into every community of Southwest Nova. If you have any questions about the sermon, if you want to know how you can get involved, send us an email at office at coastalchurchns.com. We'd love to get connected with you. Have a great day.